when I go out in public with just my dad, because I've reached an age where I no longer look like a child. And, and your dad's at an age where you could be a sugar baby. Welcome to another episode of the One Drink Too Many podcast. My name is Nate, and with me is... I'm Eva. We're both co-hosts. 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 <laughs> oh, that's, that's done. That's dead. Last week was it. Well, yeah. Cheers. Let's get weird in this episode. Cheers. So, um, Eva, what are you drinking this week? What What's, what's going to cause you to have One Drink Too Many tonight? Oh, I can't have One Drink Too Many because I've got an appointment with my lash lady tomorrow morning. Um, but I am drinking, um, uh, Bacardi with a sparkling lemonade with a lemon, lemoncello, lemoncello, um, LaCroix. I don't know why every time I say lemoncello, it makes me think of, uh, Hamilton when David Diggs talks about like being in France. I don't know why. Monticello. Um, yeah. Monticello. That's what it makes me think of. Um, but it's <laughs> Where delicious. Jefferson lived. <laughs> yes. Um, and there. I don't know how LaCroix has zero calories, yet still achieves a delicious, like almost sweet taste. It's kind of weird, um, but that is what I'm drinking today. How about you, Nate? What are you drinking? So I made a concoction of a bunch of stuff I have laying around the house. It is tequila with the Jose Cuervo uh, hard seltzer with more tequila and then a little bit of some very flat Sprite. So I have tequila with more tequila. tequila. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a nicer way on my body than just drinking straight tequila t- this week. So yep. that's what's going in our systems, and I will hate myself. Actually, no, I don't hate myself because tequila, the hangover is not that bad. So definitely not as bad as when you drink vodka. That's for big sure. facts. Big facts. So Eva, what has been living rent free in that head of yours? What something that you just can't escape this week? Oh, oh, you're opening a door that you cannot close. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to put two ones, I and I'll try to keep them pretty quick, um, a little bit of a cop-out. But number one is, I am so, 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 so glad that this is not a video podcast. Because on the corner of my mouth, I have a, like, fucking disgusting, gross, giant zit growing. And I am, like, breaking out all around my mouth, not because I have an STD or STI, but because of the fucking, it's like mask knee. It's like all the condensation gets trapped around my mouth. And then I just breed disgusting acne. So hey, hey, spin zone, positive take. It's a proof that you wear a mask. True. At least You, you have know, physical I, proof that you wear a mask all don't the time. Don't fucking challenge me, bitch. <laughs> I have proof growing disgustingly on my face. Um, so yes, that's that's something that's living on my face rent free right now. And technically I on your head because your uh, face is a part of your head. So. so yes, living in my head, on my head, rent yeah, free. On your Fuck head. you. Second thing <laughs> is, and maybe we'll have a podcast I, a little bit more about this later. But um, just a rant, a little bit of a mini rant that's living, you know, in the frontal cortex of my brain. And I'm not going to go into too many details because I am not going to be that kind of person that puts this information out there too much. But I had my last day at my job today and I've accepted a new job and I'm moving companies. Yes. Woo. Thank the Lord. Okay. So one of the last conversations. So I've been with this company for four years. I've held three different positions. I, you know, moved up from intern to full-time. Um, I am, and this is not going to be like, ah, I'm so great, but like, I need to provide this context. So it makes sense why I'm so frustrated. Like I, I'm a very high performer. If you know me, then you know that's just my personality. I've won a lot of awards at work for doing a great job. And I'm constantly being told that I'm like young talent that we need to nurture. Okay. So then I've been asking for like six months to a year for a promotion. Like, I think it's time for a promotion. I think it's time for a title bump. It's time for a raise. Like I've put in my work. I've shown that I've like taken on more responsibility. Now pay me to represent that. Like I know my worth. Okay. Been asking for that, asking for that, asking for that wasn't getting it, got another job offer, fucking took that shit. Today I found out that someone who started at the company straight out of college, no experience, first year on the job, is making 10K more than me. She accepted her job making 10K more than I have ever made at the company and I've worked there for four years. And again, I did all the accolades in the beginning, 
because I want to show you that this has nothing to do with merit. It purely has to do with the fact that I've been fucked over for too long, accepted far less than I deserved for way too long. So just, it's one of those things that- PSA, know your self-worth. Know what you're worth. Yeah, know your self-worth. Don't be afraid to advocate for it. I say all the time at work, people are going to make fun of me when they listen on this podcast, but no one will ever advocate for you more than you advocate for yourself. And like when I found that out, I was absolutely livid, but you know what? I'm gone. I have As you left. should be. I took the email off my phone. I'm not going to work for them. And they gave me the whole, like, when I was leaving, like, oh, it's so sad. What, what can we do to keep you? Like, how can we, we, we want you to Pay stay. Pay me I'm more like, money. Far too late. <laughs> far too late, bitch. I've been asking you for way too long for this. And you <laughs> could not deliver. So I am gone. So those are both of my rant tangents. Thank you for providing me a platform to speak my truth. Um, Nate, you got to take over or I'm just going to keep talking. Yeah. So as we record this on February 12th, 2021, Taylor Swift dropped her newest version of Love Story today or last night. We've spoken a little bit about Taylor T-Swizzle, T-Swift on this podcast before. If you know me, I just listen to all types of music based besides country and I enjoy pop music very much, even though whatever. Another tangent for another day. I'm a big fan of early Taylor Swift. Fearless, Red, great albums. I think there's one in between, but or one before. Retweet. Anyways, huh? Retweet. Yeah. So old Taylor, great. Super hyped for her re-recording of Fearless. So that's gonna be great when that comes out. I think it's like April 19th or something. Can you give an example of a song that's on the Fearless album? Love Story. Oh, okay, okay. I think Teardrops was also on that. Teardrops why on my guitar. Teardrops, why does Teardrops feel earlier than Fearless? I think maybe Mean then. Mean might have been on Fearless. Oh. Maybe. I'm, I'll look it up later. But anyways. So Taylor dropped her newest version of Love Story. She gave it to Ryan Reynolds for a commercial. Anyways. It's basically the same as the old version. You could tell that Taylor has grown up because it's been about 10 years since the last time she recorded it. So she grew up, her voice is a little bit more mature. The instrumentation is a little different. The composition is a little bit different. No background singers, whatever. The main difference, it's one beat slower than uh, the original. It's just slightly slower. Oh, really? Slightly slower. I did did the whole music nerd shit. It's about one beat slower. One to two. It's slightly slower. I want a little background, and I think our listeners could use the background as well because we're not as in tune to music as maybe you are. Um, it, this album is being, is this album being produced? Like, was that an executive decision then by Taylor and her team to make it slower? Or do you think it was accidental? Like why, why does that happen? I think, uh, my guess, you put me on the spot. Didn't think about this. My guess is they made this track on software. So it wasn't mm. as live recorded or they played it with the track or whatever. So they put it on what we call a grid in the music world. And so everything's perfectly aligned. Even though it sounded like live instrumentation, they might have a click track, whatever. But back then, they didn't do that as much. And so just tempos were a little bit faster, a little livelier. Maybe she thought the tempo was 120, but uh, 119, but it was really 121, whatever. There's a myriad of different things that could be, but it's just like slightly slower. I will say I listened to the new one and I, I straight up told Nate that I didn't think that they looked, they sounded any different. But one of the biggest things I saw on Twitter was in the original picture of Taylor with the man um, from this song, they showed a picture of her, like the album cover or the album art that was produced. And she is wearing the same shirt that the man is wearing in the picture, which I we love. love. We love that. A, we love those little hints too. We love woman, that. We love but that. We love that like, I don't need a man. I'm going to wear this fucking shirt myself. That's awesome. But yeah, so Taylor Swift releasing Fearless. I think it's in April. But I'm here for the old, the re-releasing of old Taylor Swift. It's like if Maroon 5 did a re-recording of this, of songs about Jane. Love that. I would hope it would be better and not worse. Um, Uh, They would actually probably make it worse. I I think they've gone down the the train a little bit. It might be a little worse. Um, I think it's so ironic because you keep saying, like, I love the old. And it just makes me think of that, like, I love the old Kanye, straight from the gold Kanye. And I know it's ironic because Taylor Swift and Kanye West have all this. Oh, I'm so fucking dumb. You Belong With Me was on Fearless. Oh, my God. Oh, was Mean not on there? No, it's on the next one, which is... Uh, the purple dress. Speak Now. 
Yes. Okay. Yep. It goes fearless. Speak now. Red, and then it stopped. She stopped putting out good albums. Yep. Also, okay. Taylor Swift, which was just her self-titled starter, which Two Drops on My Guitar was on. Gotcha. Um. Well, that's Anyways, our, that's our Taylor Swift rant for the day. <laughs> that's our Taylor Swift rant for the day. You're welcome, everyone. Um, I will intro kind of what's been living in our heads collectively rent-free. We've had a couple of discussions, but it'll be interesting to dive into it um, here on the pod. I will preface with this pod is going to be the probably the most like actual, real, serious topic that we've ever talked about. We're going to try to give it our own little spice blend, its own little flavor. Um, obviously, this is like a comedy, a funny podcast, so we're going to try to bring that in. We don't take ourselves but... too seriously here, so Absolutely we're going to make jokes at our own expense, and that doesn't diminish kind of the message we're trying to get out. We're no. just trying to educate people and give our perspectives on yeah. certain share... topics, certain issues, in the way that we see them, which actually will probably start of our explanation we'll probably see why we do it the way we do yeah i also want to preface a little bit with we are going to try to be as politically correct as possible but you know what we're human and we will fuck up and feel free to call us out if we don't say something in the right way if we don't reference something in the right way fucking call us out tell us we are all about continual growth and learning so if we don't do something right let us know why but i, I will say if you have criticism do it in like a respectful polite way because i think that's the issue also on the internet is you are critical of these people and then you want to try to give them the facts in a way but a lot of the times it comes off as you kind of being rude and i don't know if the word is but like what kind you of, say is just as important as how you yes, say it yeah so you're so your kind of your topic or what whatever you're trying to say gets lost your message gets lost in the way you say it because you say it in Absolutely. like a rude manner or like yeah. a disrespectful manner or just not in the right context, even though you're trying to educate and you have the right idea, it just sometimes comes off in a kind of wrong yeah, condescending way. An yeah. asshole. You don't don't be an asshole. Um, the only other thing I'll say is we fully preface this conversation acknowledging our privilege. I'm all about acknowledging my privilege. You'll hear that on the next podcast where we talk do our truth or drink, but um, we both grew up in very privileged environments. We've got very great families. We had a solid family structure. We had a lot of love, a lot of support, financial means. And also being an Asian, an Asian American has so much privilege in and of itself in, in the broader scope of being a minority. I mean, there's a reason that Asians are the model minority. So we completely this understand we're not that on affirmative will, action. there will be a lot of things that we have never experienced or don't can't speak to, but we're again, speaking from our experience, from our truth, just wanting to share our perspectives with you. So we need to put those disclaimers out there because we are not trying to join the canceled party. Don't fucking cancel us. That's a whole other topic. Also, Eva, can you not say your truth? I hate that. Oh, I mean, it I, is our truth. Uh, no, why it, do you uh, think that is our truth? That's why, that's why I say, well, truth is speaking like there's facts. There's truth behind it. I say perspective. But it is our truth. That's why you preface it with R. It just makes it sound, I don't like it. I, I will that's I, I I don't know why I don't like it but I think my logical brain is like that doesn't make any logical sense because your truth is different from someone else's truth and truth is truth and so that's why I kind of say perspective versus okay we're sharing our perspective we're sharing our yes you're sharing from your perspective we're, from your there will be no truth here bitches <laughs> no I'm not saying like it's not wrong it's just it's not right it's yes because <laughs> someone sees certain situations in a different way okay so yeah, that's why I, can, I like I perspective why and I feel like my truth or your truth is a very like it's a condescending millennial sort of, like yeah. in my feelings. So okay, when I also only in, picture it on the bachelor of like I'm speaking my truth right oh, now, and yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. I can't get that image on my head either. Yep. So I, okay, perspectives. Well, We're coming from different perspectives from a lot of people, but this is from our experience, our perspective on the world, and what we we grew up with, and kind of how we see and experience the world growing up as an adoptee in America. Yeah. So we're going to start off with living rent free in our head this week is, I mean, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue, a lot of terrible things happening just generally kind of to the Asian, Asian American community. And I think there's a very strong population of um, Asian people living in obviously California in the Bay Area. And there's just been recently a lot of news about um, like terrible things happening to elderly Asian people, people being pushed down and kicked and beaten and just terrible things said at them. And it, it's, it is very, very sad, but I think that 
there has been, there's a great opportunity right now for race to be um, a part of the, of the regular dialogue, regular conversation. I think for the first time, a lot of Asian, Asian American Americans are feeling comfortable or confident or feeling um, they have an opportunity to kind of share some of their experiences, which I think is great. But um, living in our head refrain is more of like what's going on right now, generally how it's being portrayed or not portrayed in the media, except for on like Asian hosted platforms. Um, so yeah, Nate, I would love to hear your perspective. So I was trying to pull up a tweet, but I actually agree with it. But basically the tweet said some, I think Asian reporter, someone Asian writer or something tweeted about kind of how it's funny how woke America was so woke on the Black Lives Matter movement, but then when Asians are kind of experience something similar to that extent, they're silent. And I, and then some, someone on my Twitter feed retweeted like a black person responding with like, you don't got to bring black people into it. And I think I agree with that statement. I don't think we need to compare ourselves to a, a movement like Black Lives Matter because we didn't experience, we don't experience the same type of racial profiling and experiences they have being black people in America. So I don't think our experience is the same that way. However, I will say it is funny how woke America and like woke people are kind of staying silent for this issue. And like, even on my timeline where I don't follow a lot of Asian people, but the only people posting about stuff are, are Asian people or have some Asian connection or like half Asian or something. Like all of my white woke friends that were kind of posting, posting all the squares, all, all the other stuff, like just like any type of, discrimination whatever type of the woke culture in quotations whatever they post that stuff like candy but then when stuff about like asians being uh asian crimes going up during covid and stuff and like asian hate crimes uh skyrocketing they're kind of silent and they're like well and i hate it because i think that speaks to like the weird mainstream trends of like were all those people just talking about you know uh racial movements were all those people just talking about um those kinds of things on social media because it was quote air quotes trendy because this is not a quote trendy topic they're not and so i just or they or they just there's not enough representation of people to be talking about it in general i mean the the number of asian asian american advocates out there um activists out there talking about this is so so small and i think the challenge that I've really, really had with this, is, and I've gone back and forth and talked to a couple of friends with this, um, I've been grappling with the fact that a lot of these, or many of the reported crimes have been committed upon Asian people by the black community. And now I'm not saying that to victimize or villainize or play victim card for anyone, but I think the problem I'm having with it is, is that's the only part of the narrative being shared. But the part that's being left out is the extreme toxic racism that exists within Asian cultures already against other minority groups. And so I, I just, and not, not at all that that means that it's, it's war warranted or worth it. I just, I think that there's a lot of dialogue that needs to continue happening and we need to continue opening up this conversation. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to know what to say. And it's hard to like say the right thing. Um, and I just know that it's like so sad and disheartening, but at the same time, very inspiring to feel the opportunity to say something and have a voice. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot to handle. And I don't think the previous president did any help calling mm -mm 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 -mm. it the Chinese virus. And we'll talk about this later in a topic, a little bit more lighthearted about just us growing up in predominantly white uh, environments. And so we saw a lot of this firsthand of just natural racism towards Asian just happens. I think it just like, it's, it's kind of like the issue with uh, kind of the American system almost about like racism in general, just because there's been so much kind of anti-dialogue. It's there hasn't, we haven't talked about it that much. This is the first time we ever really talk are talking about it regularly now. Yeah. And so hopefully things will change down the road, but there's just been so many years of, racial profiling, racial slurs, whatever, just like stereotypes about being Asian or being any type of minority that comes with living in America. And so we're just now trying to kind of fight our way against those norms and uh, educate people on like, hey, this isn't right. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. But yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, that's what's living in our head. Unfortunate. That's the sad part of our heads that's living rent free. Um, but this will be a really interesting podcast just to share some of like, like we've said before, our experiences, our perspective um, in, in light of the greater conversation, in light of these awful, awful things, but also these empowering, open, opening yeah. conversations that are happening. We're hoping to kind of bring our experiences to light in a way that's a little bit more lighthearted, less intense and kind of educate people on like, Hey, this is what it's like being an Asian adoptee living in a white society. So, yep. so, uh, grab a drink. Cause this is going to be, a, this is going to be an interesting one. Some, te- some tea is going to be spilled today. Probably. I don't know. So, uh, me and Eva came up with some topics to kind of talk about, uh, growing up. Bringing like the we mood said, up a little bit. Like we said, so me and Eva are both adopted from Korea. We were raised by white parents. And we grew up in the Midwest, which is predominantly white. Oh, yeah. So we have a very interesting experience growing up in predominantly white places, not being white, obviously, and our parents being white. And so we're here to share some stories, kind of talk about things we've learned growing up with white people. So without further ado, (laughs) I kind of took this as what have I learned growing up in a, a predominantly white environment? Yeah. Go so, for it. First thing I learned, ranch is fucking delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love oh. ranch dressing. Goes great on pizza. Goes great on a lot of things. I'm a ranch guy, not a blue cheese guy on wings. And I, it's all because I grew up with white people. And, and condiments the, are great. We condiments love are great. We love sauces. That's it's a stereotype that's true. I have said. Oh, let me squeeze right past you and grab the ranch more times than I'd like to say. It's a very, it's the op. Oh, I say op all the time, but it's just like, that's something I learned growing up in Midwest with what, with a white family, white friends. I, I think a funny story about how me and Eva met is we kind of (laughs) got on each other's radar was because the Asian population at my school grew from about like eight to nine, which was a big deal. Like we're getting to double digits almost when when Eva and her family moved to town, which was like two of them. <laughs> yeah, like, we that used was to big have news. Face- like, like two Asians are in town. Like, whoa. we used to have a Facebook group. I don't remember what it was called, but it was something about like oh ASS Asian Student Society. Oh yes, it was. It was, <laughs> and we would like it was all the Asian kids in there making jokes about how we were gonna play ping pong after school, and we gotta go to math club. Gotta go to math club. It. Oh geez. Or like you bring yeah. your calculators to lunch today, like stuff like that. Gosh. Um, which is yeah. something else is like we really just grew up making fun of our race unfortunately well and that's the thing is it, it gets, it's so hard and, and it almost becomes a defense mechanism even back to like grade school oh yeah like everyone else is making jokes and you don't want to be the person that's constantly like oh that hurts my feelings i'm gonna cry and so you just learn to like make jokes as well even if they're self-deprecating even if they're terrible yeah. and I've, I've learned that it's it is a defense mechanism that i've tried to learn to grow out of a little bit but yeah as a kid when someone would be like oh your eyes are so small i'd be like ah i can't see you and things yeah. like that because yeah, like they hold up what a piece of paper they hold up the piece of paper like oh can you see i'm like no i can't it's fucking in my way <laughs> Yeah, like what else? What, yeah. How else are how else is a child who looks very visibly different supposed to react to that? I don't know. You just kind of play along. I will say, yeah. uh, this will kind of it's a topic in a little bit of the pod, but it, it fits now with what's going on or what your story just said. Uh, I enjoy a good Asian joke once in a while. Like if it's creative, <laughs> if it's one I haven't heard, I'm like that's pretty funny. I haven't heard that perspective before. That's a new one. And like in college, like. I would encourage people like, hey, as long as you don't make the cliche jokes, like if it's new, like have at it. Like I get it. Squinty <laughs> eyes, small penis, whatever. Like I've heard those all growing up. So like I, if it's outside let's of that, try world, grown, let's try some new guys. Like we need yeah. some new material. I'm all for it. But like, let's bring something new to the table. Yeah. I think something that was really challenging too, is there were a lot of things that I thought were offensive, but I never wanted to say offended me. Cause I remember one time someone made a joke about like, like how I'm yellow, just like Homer Simpson. They would say that all the time. And I think remember what distinctly one time me being like that, like, how is that funny? Tell me how that's funny. And then they started making fun of me for getting upset at the, yeah. at the joke. And so it, it just spiraled into one of those things where I'd be like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's so hilarious. Um, which, which is quite unfortunate um kind of going up your like time though like middle school in 2010 was a different time 
was a different time, but it doesn't make it okay. It's no, it doesn't make it okay, okay, but it's like definitely now that wouldn't fly. It kind of made us have thick skin. Like me and you have thick skin. We don't take offense to many things just because we grew up just taking it like every other day or whatever. Like that was just a normal occurrence if someone made it like a racist joke towards you, like a small racist slur or whatever. So yeah. Lesson I learned growing up in a predominantly white community was, um, it wasn't really a lesson, but like a realization or a thought pattern. All I wanted, I like, I literally thought I was white. I grew up thinking that I was a white person, even though I don't look white. I like fully well, thought besi- I was besides white. Your, besides your eyes, you're pretty fucking pale, so. I, I am very, very pale. It's, it's very unfortunate. <laughs> it doesn't help with the rent-free mask me that's growing on my face. But, um, but like, li- in, in, all genuineness like when i didn't look in a mirror i like didn't even process the fact that i was asian i was different because you just try so fucking hard to blend in and be like everyone else and like and whereas now i think individuality and like my ethnicity and my background i celebrate a lot more before i was just trying to be like oh my god please don't notice me please don't please don't talk about it like let's not even my parents acknowledge that i look different than you like i'm just trying to fit in And my parents used to do this great thing where they would come to my school and they would try to educate my classmates and we would make like dragon masks and they would bring Korean snacks. And it it, it was a very, very loving and great attempt on their part. And I, I commend them for that. But like it was also terrifying because I didn't want to call that out. Like, can we not talk about the fact that I'm Asian? Like, just move on from it. I get it. I have squinty eyes. I can't see the sun. It's whatever. Let's move on. Um, I Are really you, think that things got worse when I moved to Ohio because oh, I feel yeah. like Minnesota is a hu- Minnesota is an adoptee hub, so there's a lot of Korean adoptees here. Um, and that's just, that. That's not saying that well, there was more specifically the part around. of Ohio that you moved to because that's was, that's what I grew up all my life, and so that was just normal for me. Like there was yeah. like a few Asian families here and there. It was all white. There was even less black people than there was Asians. Oh yeah. It was, if you look at the Ohio map from the past election, the county that we lived in was one of the very red counties that was just like- And I'm very sure that a lot of people we went to high school with probably voted for Trump. Just- Oh yeah. I follow very few of them. Only a few of my friends that I know are a little bit more progressive, a little bit more like knowledgeable that I care about, but- Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't great moving there. And like there, I've talked to a lot of people who have been like, who are minorities who've been like, oh, I've never really experienced racism. Oh my gosh. And not that it was outright like bullying racism where they were trying to stuff. bring you down. It was just like, stuff. I think ignorance and people yeah. like, yeah, subtle jokes and little things that you'd just be like, ah, okay. Kind of have to shrug off and like, just that's what it is. But yeah, I mean, I, unlike you, I didn't have that luxury of growing up in a kind of a more diverse space not that minnesota is much more diverse than ohio but it's definitely more diverse on the side of like there's a little there's more than a few people that look like you and that share similar like interests not of course like minnesota but in in the twin cities yes i yeah. agree but, um i think to another thing too is uh, another great effort my parents made was sending me to korean adoptee camp where i mean th- there was it was such so impactful to spend even if it was just a week to spend a week amongst other people who look like you who have the same who are in the same situation just to know that you aren't alone and I can't imagine you know growing up adopted in a place where you were never exposed to that and always thinking that you were the only one or you were weird or you you were different because of that and and that camp really helped teach me that it it was it was a great thing and other people shared that in common and that should be celebrated yeah unfortunately I didn't find out about the camp until I I wouldn't say too late you... you brought me two years but like it was kind of it was it was awesome. Loved it. And like I mirror everything that Eva said, but it was a little too late. I was just, it was, yeah, that's just what I knew. I mean, my parents tried their best, but also they're a little bit ignorant. I love them to death, but they were a little bit ignorant. Like, so my older sister is the only one that's not adopted in my family. I have three siblings. Two of them are adopted. One's also from Korea. One's from Guatemala. However, I'm the only one with a Korean godfather. And they thought that that would bring me closer to my culture, but know that. Yeah, I'm. Who's it's your also, godfather? His name. Uh, he's. He was one of my dad's colleagues. Can we go? You know, 
spin the clock forward a little bit, I'd love to hear about your your high school and your college experience because I think where we started to branch off, um, things changed a lot, I yeah. think, in our life journeys. So I moved high schools. I moved to another predominantly white school in Indiana, so like two hours away, which doesn't really help. However, though, it's Asian. The area that I moved in was surprisingly higher than Asian, like the Korean population. Like I had some more friends. My closest friend in high school is Korean. His parents were from Korea. However, that brought up a little bit, a newer issue that I was not used to, which is the difference between being Korean and being adopted from Korea. And kind of the, what Evil was explaining earlier, like the internal racism that happens between not even like our different Asian races, but the same race because Korea, uh, adoption is so was so prevalent for a while in Korea. There's a lot of Korean adoptees in America. However, it's tough because other Koreans kind of look at you differently. Look at you as like a, almost like a fake. Like you would make jokes. Like his parents spoke Korean. I didn't speak Korean. So when I was at his house, they spoke Korean, and you'd hear your name and like, what the fuck are you saying about me? And it opens up a whole weird extra it's, layer it's a, of insecurity. It's a weird relationship and like another insecurity that I wasn't didn't know existed until I made friends and like I love him to death like he's one of my closest friends I still talk to him to this day however like we still kind of crack jokes that he should it's become more of like a playful relationship but at first it was a little kind of a it was a new experience it was like I'm not used to this we look the same yeah but I experienced that a lot in college when I became friends with a lot of Asian American or Korean Americans and yeah actually in the last video you posted or we posted on Instagram where oh, the birthday one where you've clipped in and I'm lecturing that tall Asian dude. I'm like, I've got a ponytail. I'm like popping off because I pop off when I'm drunk. It was literally because of this. He one of the things he said to me is he was having a conversation with one of my best friends at the um, in Korean. And I came up and I, I tried to help or I tried to say something. And he was like, he shut me down right away. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not really Korean. Like, you're yeah. not actually Korean. Like, stop. You don't know what you're talking about. And I went off because that that was it's been such a big pet peeve of mine and, and a friend in college too who I thought was pretty close and like I don't know if he knows that this affected me so much but one time Richard said something to me along the lines of like oh but you're not actually Korean and like for someone who was starting who, to identify as Korean and like but really, our race is Korean we are Korean yeah. at, like I we have Korean passports we were born in Korea yeah. we just grew up in a different environment than other Korean star like we weren't we didn't have the opportunities to be educated in the culture like someone who grows up in a Korean household does because that's yeah. your culture we grew up in a different we grew up in a different environment than other Koreans do it doesn't mean we're not Korean we're just yeah a little different but that definitely um was a huge insecurity of mine especially when I got to college and I started diving into having a lot of Asian friends or having you know joining Korean groups and learning more but yeah that's a good segue into kind of our college years because we oh. definitely had different college experiences oh, yeah. finding kind of our Korean selves I don't know we like our culture we Koreanness. you had we had we had very different experiences in college I went to a very small, I'm repping right now, I might as well say, I went to Butler University in Indianapolis. It's a very small liberal arts school. There's about 5,000 people. Eva went to the U, University of Minnesota, which is 40,000 people. So many and students. So just with the amount of students that a college brings in, that diversity is going to be different because it attracts more people. I Our school claimed to be like 80, like 13% diverse. It was really like 97% diverse. They counted weird diversities. There was like... Oh three, four, there was less Asians. Were they the trying to count like um, gender and like religious and like religious income and diversity? Religious and sexual orientation. Oh. They did some shady shit for to boost their diversity numbers. And if you look around campus, I mean, our Butler has, has a very successful basketball team. So you just, the, the black people on campus were either basketball players or just there's a few. They were recruited better. to They go were to recruited Butler. to go to Butler. So. And then there was like a few other black people and like there's a they we had a, like a black student union however it just in the area they didn't have their own like the fraternities and black sororities kind of joined together it was like an indian indianapolis chapter not just our school because mm. our school was so small so i didn't have an opportunity to kind of learn about i remember seeing on like block day like the first day you're a freshman right you go around do all the tables see the clubs and whatever and there's like asian student union the person running it was white Oh God, it's like, it's like a, a celebration on situation. anime. Oh God, no. And so I think it's it's interesting in that 
my environment, my college environment set me up for success. Whereas yours didn't have the same. I mean, when we talk about the U, the U is huge. And I mean, racial diversity, I mean, it's still not great at the U. There's so many students, but at least I had the option to like we had enough students and students of color that like there was a Korean student association and there was a, um, a Japanese student association and there was a, you know, so there was more opportunities to to learn about that and to, to join and to find friends. And when I started college, I got connected to also because I had been part of that camp growing up. A lot of those people actually were on campus, around campus. So was immediately connected with them and that like really shot off my experience of like that's the most I had ever dove into being Korean I had Korean friends I was eating Korean food I was learning Korean language like I was doing all this Korean stuff and it's so funny because I think I felt like I needed that validation of like oh my god my whole life I haven't been Korean enough like I finally need to be Korean I'm like around these Korean people it's gonna help validate me but then I got to a point where, and I think it's because I joined, I joined a, it at the time it was Asian interest, but is now multicultural sorority. And it was almost like joining that. I realized like, oh my gosh, I don't actually want any of that. Like I, I almost like, I pulled myself so It was like too so much. It was like in, a little bit too and much. And then, you... yeah, I rejected it. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, no, I don't want to listen to K-pop. Oh my gosh, no, I don't need to eat like kimchi fried rice every meal. I don't need to go to an all Korean church. I don't need to be in, in this Korean student. Like, like I kind of pulled myself back and I was like, oh my God, my whole entire college experience is going to be centered around the fact that I was Korean. Like I got to go do something else. So it was a very interesting like ebb and flow of my journey um, at the U. Yeah, mine was very op- uh like I think the complete opposite of yours. So I like mean, I said, it, it speaks volumes to when you came to visit. We had yeah, an event so, where each yeah. So I came to visit. It was like a last minute trip. It was over like my fall break. Long story short, I came to visit, and she was like, "Oh, we have this event for the Asian Student Union." I'm like, "You guys have an Asian Student Union?" Do you know what that was? She was like, "Oh, it's an ASU event, I'm like Arizona State." Like, what the fuck is that? And Arizona I State. <laughs> I showed up. I showed up, and it was just like a huge, like a couple hundred people of like different tents, different clubs, whatever. And I was like so many fucking Asians here. This is like half of my campus and I've never seen anything like that. So unlike Eva, went to a predominantly white school. It, I I claimed my four years I was the only Korean on campus. I don't know if that's true, but it was really tough to find anyone else that was Korean. I like really tried to, and like I knew most Asian people on campus, or so at least heard of them and knew their like ethnicity in their background. And I truly believed at some point I was the only Asian, only Korean person on Butler's campus. Of 5,000 people. So that just says something about it. And then, unlike Eva, she joins a multicultural interest sorority. I joined a traditionally a social fraternity. I was a Sigma Nu at Butler. Shout out. Uh, Sigma Nu, Epsilon Mu chapter. Shout out. 44 <laughs> Howie, love those guys. So I had a very different experience. I was almost like the token minority yep. in my fraternity there was me and another black guy brian shout out brian bennett that's my guy which almost plays into it more like when we were talking about earlier having to use almost humor as a as a defense oh yeah but like oh when you become the token like it gets even worse oh yeah i took jokes left and right like we mentioned i think a couple pods ago about me doing asian accents for like around the world night for parties and like i kind of tried to own it as much as i could and it just kind of i i was like okay being the token asian like i was okay being the token minority we made jokes about it whatever and like looking back on i'm like i mean that's not great but most of my life growing up in a predominantly white situation that was normal for me so i'm used to kind of um using humor as a defense mechanism so so now i'm interested to hear about nate how you think your college experience how you're, you're you know growing up how that translates today what has that produced I'm really good at taking a joke. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I really don't know. I That's a tough question because I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I'm not as cultured in the Korean culture because just because I just haven't been around it. My The most I had was those week-long camps once a year for I think like four what was it? five six years two years of camp four years of counseling yeah but also like you can't be too hard on yourself because it wasn't your fault that you didn't have that kind of exposure yeah i didn't have the opportunities to see it and uh, but also i don't know if i would seek it out because i'm just not that type of person i think if i went to a different school it'd be another thing but i was just so used to at that point just being like this is 
the my interests are mainly quotations white like it's whatever like i don't i kind of I did break off on the path of like my career path is very non-traditional for everyone. So no one really is okay with what I'm doing uh, for my career path, not even my white parents, but that's a whole nother story about being in, in music. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where, and, and where I am to, and like I said, I don't want you to be too down on yourself for, for not knowing more about your culture. I think it's funny because I'm, I'm finally at a point in my life where I feel like I can confidently say I am a female Asian, like, very proud of the fact that I am surrounded by a strong network of other Asian females. Um, and, and so it's just, it, it's very, this is a very interesting conversation for us to have. Yeah. It, I feel still like a fraud almost. Like I don't, I feel like almost like an outsider almost. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I feel like I, I'm a part, some days too. I'm a part of the club, but I don't know the password to get in yet. I'm like standing outside. Like I know someone inside. I have a friend, but they're like, what's the password? I'm like, I, but I know her. I'm friends with her. Like I know that person. Like I know what's going on, but I'm just standing outside. Like, I don't know what the fucking password is. Like, so it's, it's a tough place to be in. However, I think I've just tried to accept it as best I can. And just, I tried to busy myself with other things in life. I don't try to focus on the fact that I, I'm not as, I don't know. I put my focus in other places, but that's just who I am as a person. It's always, that's how I've always been. I've never really kind of. I don't know. I've never put cultural yeah. identity as an important part, important piece on my checklist. Of oh, who you are. Yeah. yeah. So we've been talking a little bit. Uh, it's actually been like half an hour. It's been for a long for, time. For a while. <laughs> just like a little bit more serious stuff. We're, so we're right now we're going to try to like lighten the mood. We're going to speak a little bit more freely, a little bit of kind of a PSA, but also like we're probably going to, these are probably going to lead into some more stories, but the topic is things you shouldn't say to an Asian. Eva, kick us off. Oh, things you shouldn't say to an Asian. Okay. Um, if my mother's listening to this podcast, um, it's time to log off. Um, it's going to become NSFW. Yes, things please. You shouldn't, please, please things you shouldn't off. say to an Asian. I cannot believe that people fucking do this. And this is one of the reasons why I can't stay on Tinder very long. Please don't ask me if I have a tight pussy. Don't fucking ask that. That's fucking weird. I like why that Asian stereotype exists. I don't even want to go into thinking about why. Don't fucking ask that. I hate that. What the fuck? On the lines of it, don't ask if I have a small penis. Just you'll find that out later. <laughs> yeah you'll know you know the answer eventually like same with yours but yeah those are like those are the two really like yeah especially getting older the dating world and that was a whatever i i don't want to get into those but those are two things you probably shouldn't say to an asian probably also stop asking if we're good at math can we stop that can we can we grow up from that that's an old old racial thing that like it's old it's not funny anymore Yes, there's a you lot know of what? math. No, I'm not good at math, okay? <laughs> two plus two, two equals five, okay? <sighs> That's just what I learned. <laughs> um, another thing that you shouldn't say to Asians, and okay, I, I, I don't want to sound hypocritical with this one because I definitely make jokes about this myself, but it's one of those things that I can make those jokes because I'm trying to, to, jokes. Re- I'm trying to reclaim those jokes. jokes. Don't fucking ask me if I know your cousin's best friend's roommate oh my god kim lee i'm like i'll fucking know kim lee. do you think we all know each other you, you know think we common, all the group chat you know common of a last name lee is right <laughs> you know people named kim lee like Jesus. right there are so many people named kim lee on the same note don't if i mention that you're or you ask my ethnicity and i answer don't say oh i have a cousin or a third cousin mm-hmm. that's also like half japanese i don't give a fuck if someone else in your family Imagine is also congratulations yeah like congratulations you're one more minority person away from not looking totally racist but that question literally makes you sound racist so oh here's another one are you asian or are you korean oh i thought you were asian Korea is in Asia. It's part of Asia. China is part of Asia. Japan so is part dumb of Asia. That question. Just Are so dumb. Stupid? Like it's just it's such a dumb and ignorant question. Like I don't feel bad for you asking that because you're literally just like 
uneducated about that. Yeah, it's just oh. If you need a geography lesson, look at a map. Korea is a part of Asia, so yes, we're Asian. It's like being a rectangle in a square. A square is technically a rectangle. The because... only people who could probably get away. There's two groups of people who could get away with asking that question. One, if you're like um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and you are a mole person and you literally have never been exposed, or if you're Amish, because I'm pretty sure they don't teach global the globe. They don't have the internet. Amish people. They don't have the so internet. <laughs> only two groups who that that is acceptable to ask. Or if you're another Asian asking another Asian as like the joke, being like, hey, Eva, are you Asian or Korean? As being like kind of breaking the ice of you meeting someone because guess what? We've all heard that. So yeah, it's not original. Um, yeah, can I we, think- on, on another note, can we make up some new Asian jokes or whatever, Asian stereotypes? They're so old. They're so played out. We get it. It's, it's over. Our eyes are small. Our eyes are small. We're, we're good at math. Mm. Asian female drivers are bad at driving. It's proven. It's a fact. It's not even a joke anymore. It's just proven. It's just factual information. It should be in you Wikipedia. You know what it probably is? It, it's probably that like Asian women are so anxious and terrified that we're just like uptight, terrible drivers. It's probably I think why. it's because you can't see in the sun, but that's another. That's another. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else should you not say to an Asian? I guess we can move it no. to the next question: is things you can't say to an adoptee. But we can kind of mix the two together because yeah. we have a few of those too. Things you shouldn't ask an adoptee. Have you ever met your real parents? Yes, they're the parents. Yeah. Like, that's the number one thing. It, You'll hear us talk about this more in the next podcast, but like, it's the word "real parents." Shut the fuck up. My real parents are the ones that raised me. My birth. If you want to be, if you want to ask that question, and I, we know what you're getting at. It's just the wrong way of asking it. Ask, have you ever met your birth parents? Yeah. Also, don't ask me if I wish that I was never a, like, yeah. do you wish that you lived your life? I don't fucking yeah. know what my yeah. life would have been like, so don't ask. I'll have a magic crystal ball. Oh, I would have been dead, but that's just, I would have died of anaphylactic shock because I'm allergic to nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you were allergic to literally everything. Yes. So I have, I'm just like, that's, that was using my answer growing up as a kid. I was like, I'm allergic to everything. So I probably would have died. Yeah. Don't, don't ask me that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't care. Uh, what else? Do, uh, oh, ask stop asking like how we found out we're adopted. It's at least I are guess some. Stupid? It's like, are you, do you think we're stupid? Do you think like our parents are stupid? Have like, you looked at do you look, Tom and Dana, do, you, they, do you look at? Look like... My dad was six six. <laughs> I guess who's not six so six? Racially diverse. Guess who's period. not six six? Me. <laughs> it doesn't take. It's one plus one equals two. I don't look like my parents. I don't look like my white sister. I look like my little sister. But that also, if you see two, so my family is very diverse, as mentioned. Uh, my parents are white. My older sister is white. My younger sister is Korean. And my younger brother is Guatemalan. Very racially diverse. Do not ask two Asians surrounded by a bunch of white people if they're siblings or twins. Yeah. Just don't assume. Don't assume anything. Stop all these assumptions about us. Just. You can ask questions, but don't ask questions with the assumption in the question. Based like, on assumption. Hey, are you, are you guys yeah. twins? I'd be like, there's. Well, now it's worse because I get, are you dating? Oh, I because get that all the time. I got that all the time with my sister. That makes me think, that's another thing. And I don't know how to address this because it's not like a don't, like, stop doing this. But one thing I've noticed as I've gotten older, it makes me uncomfortable is like when I go out in public with just my dad, because I've reached an age where I no longer look like a child. And, and your dad's at an age where you could be a sugar baby. So it's like really awkward and uncomfortable when people assume that we're just, like. Just stop asking thing. if people are couples. Just who cares if they're couples or not? They're eating at your restaurant, they want a table for two. The check will probably still be on the same check, okay? They'll let you know if you want to split it or not. And will like, it go to my dad? Yes! <laughs> he will pay for it. He must. If you got C fancy shit and I'm young, guess who's probably paying for it? The older person, because they have more money than me. <laughs> I think we taught, we shared a lot of quality information we shared our perspectives i think we hopefully educated some people on some perspectives that you probably didn't have or probably didn't know we're hoping that you one laughed we i think we got kind of funny at the end but two i think the more important thing is we got our perspective out and we're kind of sharing our experiences in a predominantly white world that we grew up in as asian adoptees being and we still live in 
we still live in, we still experience these things every day. So this is just stuff that we've experienced. We still see. However, and like, hopefully you think the next time you maybe crack a joke or say something or you post on your hinge that you like anime or whatever. Or even just like, I think it's a great activity of the reason I went into communication as a as oh my a god you're a, i forgot you're a communications major. i'm a communications major but the reason that it fascinates me so much is so often there's a, a separation between intention and interpretation and i think to bring this all back together you know we talked about the rent free we talked about all of the things happening right now and the, and the conversations and i think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of prickliness in like how, what can be said? How can, how can I say it? How, what context do I need to give? What disclaimers do I need to give? What can I cannot compare myself to? Like, if we can just start by hearing out where someone is going and then making decisions about uh, judging them. So the hope is that you just, you hear out our experiences here. And then like, again, if, if we've said something incorrect or you disagree with it, we want to hear and not because we want to like tell you you're wrong because we're genuinely curious. Now, do you need to say it in a respectful way that shows that you heard come, us come first? At it, come at it from your yes. experience, right? Because most likely yeah. you either shared a different experience than what we're sharing or you have a different opinion on stuff that we've said, right? And, going and that's back to okay. What you were saying and that is earlier, okay because that's that's where dialogue comes in. That's where we can have yeah. this conversation. We can, we can both then learn from this experience. However, if you come at it on like an asshole rude manner of like you're wrong or whatever and you come at it the wrong tone then i'm gonna be defensive you're already defensive yeah. and then we're just not but gonna like have you a were saying dialogue. earlier if you come at it and i i'm so sorry that i'm saying this again if you come at our truth from your truth there's gonna be a disconnect because it's not the truth and that's why i don't like the my truth thing because and that's why different we don't like truth and that's why we will never be sponsored by truly's because they are disgusting that's actually big facts that's one sponsor we will never support if we ever get to that mark trust me if we ever get sponsors we will most likely actually like the product if it's alcohol but yeah truly you don't need to sponsor us your shit's trash i'm sorry And that is our uh, one of our, one of many hot takes. Um, we hope you enjoy this. That's, not a, really... that's, not, a, that's not a hot take. That's, that's a, not that's a hot a, take. That's a pretty lukewarm, like everyone knows. They're that's a general to... take. But yeah, hopefully you found some... this interesting. It's not necessarily funny. Yeah. Hopefully you you understand kind of how we are as people now, knowing how we grew up and how we look at the world and kind of experience the world as Korean adoptees. And uh, en- engage with us on this. Engage with us in conversation. Leave a comment on our Instagram, one drink too many. Tweet us, one drink too many. Um, rate us however many stars and leave a comment on, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Google Play. Email us at one drink too many podcast. Like we, this- At gmail.com. At gmail.com. A conversation rather than just us like yeah. spewing all this shit and then you being like, eh, they're stupid, they're wrong, eh. Yeah, we we hope that this opens up a dialogue. This is supposed to be kind of our pers- like I said, our perspectives, not our truths. Our perspectives on certain situations, certain topics, and hopefully that you it relates to something in your life, and you have a question or you have something to say, and we would love to hear you and have that conversation about it online. So drop us a line. Check all the socials, and as always, have one have drink too one many. drink too many. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.